Hello and welcome to a Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast. My name is Howard Ryland, I'm the editor of the e-newsletter and today I'm joined by Dr Peter Hughes who is the chair of the Volunteering and International Psychiatry Special Interest Group who has recently travelled to Sierra Leone to work on the psychosocial response to Ebola. Peter, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. I'd like to start off by asking, why did you choose to go to Sierra Leone? I didn't choose particularly to go to Sierra Leone, but I was asked to go. Uh, I have been mental health lead of the King's Sierra Leone link, and I had actually been planning to go to Sierra Leone anyway, but Ebola stopped that trip, so it was quite coincidental that I was at a meeting in Geneva with WHO when they asked me to go to uh, Sierra Leone as part of their WHO Ebola mental health response, probably because I had made that connection as well with Sierra Leone already. Okay, and so it was the, the WHO who prompted you to make that yeah decision. so it was it was a coincidence mm-hmm. and someone I, I knew there was they were lo- they were looking for people uh, who might go out to Sierra Leone and I just became a, a fit for that assignment at that time and what kind of preparation did you receive before going the preparation uh, really started very intensively in uh, Geneva I know there's a lot of there's a lot of negative talk about WHO at the time, so I was really very impressed with all the preparation I got in Geneva. I had two days orientation there. I had uh, to see um, have a, a physical health checkup. Um, I had to have a psychological um, checkup, as it were, and see a psychologist. I got a lot of information about Ebola had an opportunity to see some of the uh, specialist work that's been done on Ebola and WHO. So it was a very intense two days on Ebola, a lot of information about the, the biology and about um, keeping yourself safe physically and mentally. And we see a lot in the newspapers about the situation in Sierra Leone and other affected countries. It'd be interesting to hear, what was your personal experience of being there like? Um, It was a paradoxical sort of experience, as I knew that I was arriving in Freetown, the capital of Sierra Leone, at a time when it was at its peak for cases of Ebola. Uh, It was a big red spot. But as it turned out, day to day, you wouldn't know it walking in the streets of Freetown. Everything looked normal. We did have that experience of where of having to wash our hands 20s, 30s times a day. We had our temperatures taken all the time. So this was the part that made you really realize that this was uh, an abnormal disaster situation. Um, if someone next to you had a temperature or if you had a temperature, that was chilling because then you really, it really struck you how close you were to what probably was the most dangerous place on earth really at some stages. And a lot of the media has focused very much on the biological aspects of 
the disease. But it'd be interesting to hear a bit more about what are the, the key psychosocial issues which are raised, uh, raised by Ebola. Uh, right. Um, Ebola has really has knocked the country back so many years in its development. The social structure has been so severely affected. Schools are closed. And when schools are closed, society can't function properly. Uh, not to mention entertainment places like cinemas, nightclubs, all these, they're closed. Churches and mosques are open, and one might argue that they're potentially quite risky. But uh, they are open nevertheless. And what was your role within Freetown and within the the psychosocial response. Okay, and perhaps I could just speak a little bit more about the psychosocial effect as well. Um, talking to people, Sierra Leoneans are such a lovely people, they're friendly, but when you talk to them <clears throat> a little bit more, you can see the effect. They're scared, uh, they've got somatic symptoms, and what, one thing I remember that was quite striking was having a staff support group and talking to them, and they talked about their fears about Ebola, the stigma that if you get uh, in any way linked to Ebola, um, that you may lose your accommodation, uh, your family may not speak to you, etc. But I remember one day I asked at the end of a session about the children and how their children were coping, and it was clear that their children were not coping. Um, there was bedwetting, they were becoming more clingy or behavioural changes, which they hadn't even thought about the children were not mentioning the word ebola but it was a shadow over er everyone i didn't see cases of psychiatric disorder as such i didn't see a great increase in cases of psychosis or mania or uh, depression was hard to assess because what we were seeing was normal anxiety and grief grief was the the other thing that was so evident, uh, people with Ebola are survivors, lose so many members of their family, and the grief was quite palpable. Mm -hmm. um, but if I go on to your next question, which I missed, was, if you could repeat the question? It was just to hear a bit more about your role. Okay, my role in uh, Sierra Leone was to be part of a team to develop an, an Ebo a psychosocial response to Ebola. I did this in WHO along with two other psychiatrists, Dr. Patkai and Dr. Sede, and we worked closely with the other people delivering psychosocial health in Sierra Leone. For example, UNICEF, ISRAID, uh, GOAL, there were quite a number of NGOs, and it was a nice example, in my view, of coordination during a disaster time. And we were working on a policy of Ebola response, along with the Ministry of, of Health. And um, things that we needed to look at, and we were looking at, were psychological response. We were using the tool of psychological first aid and trainings in psychological first aid, which I'll explain in a moment. We were looking at how we can ensure people have shelter, how people have um, livelihood and money. And shelter is an interesting one because people who are survivors of Ebola 
can lose their jobs, can lose their accommodation. They can become stigmatized. People feel that they aren't really cured of Ebola and they're still infectious or else they're affected by witchcraft or something like this. So it really affects people in a very difficult way. Um, psychological first aid was a tool that we used and we did quite a lot of trainings using this tool that was developed uh, by WHO World Vision and War Trauma Foundation and this is um, a basic low intensity psychological intervention which involves uh, some basic education explaining dispelling some of the myths about Ebola uh, for example, that um, people have ideas that you can get Ebola from different sorts of ways, whereas in fact it's not airborne, for example. It has to be spread by body contact or by, by body fluids. So explaining that, explaining the temperature, how important temperature taking is, explaining how hand washing is so important, these are part and parcel of this psychological first aid. Then it's looking at emotional distress, looking at grief. It's about humane, supportive work with someone, listening to them, looking out for signs of mental disorder, in which case you might people might need further advice, and linking people to supports that might be available for them. So that could be family, in Sierra Leone, which is a very religious country, it could be the religious institutions, um, any other organization that might help them in their um, state of great distress. So it seems there are some real long-lasting consequences for psychological well-being of people and for society in a wider sense. What, what do you see as the, the future being for the, the response both locally and internationally. It's it's really hard to know still how what long term effects Ebola will have. Also for survivors, what are the effects of the treatment, which can be quite um, quite severe, of course. So the long term effects are thinking about Sierra Leone being a very fragile health system in any case which has really been exposed by Ebola. And um, the, for the long term, it's going to be about trying to build back better and try and um, make, take some opportunity out of this disaster to try and uh, hopefully have investments in trying to make health services better. The particular work that we were doing was about establishing a district-based nurse-led clinic in each district also supported by community mental health workers or community health workers so that we could have a, uh, a wide coverage and people skilled with dealing with basic um, psychological distress to psychological first aid and then in the next phase which which really is about now, is about supporting people through mental disorder. And then we're probably using the MH GAP, the, the Mental Health GAP curriculum of WHO. Okay, thank you. Just finally, I'd like to ask what advice you'd have for people who are listening who would like to help with the situation. 
resources are really important. So I think if uh, anyone would like to donate to the Ebola uh, fund, that's really important. Uh, there are many organizations helping in Sierra Leone doing fantastic work. Uh, I'll, I'll mention some of the organizations that I know particularly, like the King's Sierra Leone Link are doing fantastic work there. Goal, the Irish organization, are doing great work there. Uh, Save the Children, MSF, they're all really working in such difficult circumstances and for me I was uh, I didn't have to work in the red zones where Ebola is, is is most dangerous obviously so I think people to support in terms of practical financial support um, moral support um, for people to be enabled to leave their jobs to do do time in Sierra Leone is, is really helpful so I think um, especially for the NHS to be facilitated for people to be able to go out and do this valuable work. Peter thank you very much for sharing your experiences and talking to us about this very important topic. Thank you.